Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Network Collective Community Roundtable. So a few weeks back, we recorded an episode on gRPC with Nick Russo and Darren O'Connor. In that episode, we covered some of the fundamental concepts surrounding gRPC and where you might be able to see that in use on your network. Today, we're going to take that conversation a bit further and talk about GNMI. If you don't know much about GNMI, well, join the club. <laughs> but with our guest today, I imagine we're going to learn quite a bit. So settle in, and we'll be right back with today's episode. So joining us today, well, we have Nick Russo back. So you were you were here with us, Nick, for the, the first GRPC conversation. It's good to have you back. We always love having you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a nice Saturday morning in Maryland. It's nice and rainy and wet outside, which I guess is good. We'll get some new flowers, <laughs> but otherwise I'm doing great. Thanks. It's that it's that time of season, right, where the weather is finally changing. That's and right. so yeah, we you kind of have to take the rain with the uh with the good, but man, it's been nice to have some some decent weather and be outside. Yeah. Uh, so also joining us today is uh, Roman Doden. Uh, Roman, you are from the Netherlands, correct? So um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get you get a fair amount of rain as well, I imagine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a bit cloudy out there. <laughs> so Roman, this is your first time on the show. We're really glad to have you. Uh, so why don't you tell us a bit about yourself since this is uh, your first appearance here on Network Collective? Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Uh, happy to be here. I'm I'm involved with uh, network automation quite a bit, and I work for Nokia as a network automation consultant. So, yep, that's a few words about me. Thanks again for inviting. Awesome. We're we're very happy to have you. So, Nick, I think I'm going to put the first question to you, and I think that because we're talking about something that. Um, I don't know if I'd, I'd call it niche, but it's it's emerging, right? It's something that's new. It's not something that everyone is doing. Um, can you paint the broad brushstroke picture of what GNMI is and maybe how it relates to our conversation in gRPC? Yeah. So the way to think about GNMI, and it stands for gRPC Network Management Interface, is that if we think back to the previous episode, and if you haven't, for the listeners who haven't listened to that one yet, I would strongly recommend it because it kind of lays the groundwork for understanding the idioms of G GNMI. The idea of gRPC in general, just to briefly recap it, is that we have a predetermined contract, which is defined in a relatively human-readable services protobuf file that both sides, the client and the server can both interpret, and that will determine what kinds of uh, remote procedure calls or RPCs can be sent and received between the different devices. And the if you think about gRPC at a, at a higher level, this gives developers a lot of flexibility to define what specific services and operations do I want to support on my device. Now, whether that's a software application or a network device, it doesn't really matter. And gRPC lets you define that in a simple way so clients can take that definition file and compile code from it for different client libraries, Java, Go, Python, or whatever other language. GNMI is a level of abstraction that is a specific implementation of gRPC. There's nothing inherently special uh, about the concept of GNMI. Of course, there are some implementation details that need to be discussed, but we still have a protobuf services file that defines what RPCs are available. And if you think about network automation, the number of things you can do on a network device is pretty limited and it can be made very generic. So for example, Using Cisco's iOS XR as an example, only because I have some familiarity with it, they have a Cisco-specific gRPC protobuf file, and it has RPCs like update config, merge config, commit config, get config, and all these other, there's like 10 or 12. But if we boil that down a little bit, there's, there's even fewer things we can do, and we can generalize it more, and that's what GNMI does. So GNMI takes that same logic, but it only defines four RPCs, capabilities, get, set, and subscribe. So it's kind of, again, this is a, a very rough analogy, but it's somewhat analogous to uh, HTTP with like get, post, put, and delete, where we have these high level operations that different devices can interpret generally the same way. Now, of course, the the actual behavior is is not like REST at all. So don't, don't confuse that. I just want to uh, show that these generic actions can allow us to interface with any network device that supports GNMI. You know, we don't need every network vendor to go and define custom uh, protobuf files for operations because so much of network automation can be generalized. And that's what GNMI can do for us. 
So let me um, let me ask this question just to make sure I understand. So it sounds like this is almost like a trying to implement a, a standards based way or standards based set of RPC <laughs> um, remote procedure calls within gRPC that every vendor kind of treats the same way, or, or at least that's the intent, so that, that we kind of have a, a common playing field at least for those basic operations? Yeah, and it's, it's again, it's somewhat comparable to comparing native vendor-specific Yang models with what the OpenConfig project and the IETF have done with their more standardized-based Yang models. Now, again, gRPC and Yang are not directly comparable things, but it's a similar idea where... You know, Yang is a modeling language that says, how is the data defined? And GNMI is more, you know, comparable to like NetConf or RESTConf, which is a, a method of transporting that information to and from devices. It's just the gRPC says, okay, if you support gRPC, we're all talking the same protobuf file. So we all understand the same RPCs going back and forth, kind of like NetConf. And the difference, of course, is that we get the advantage of gRPC, the ability to stream telemetry in a nice way. There's some very nice performance improvements and, and a whole bunch more. Now, now, since this is, you know, an attempt to make uh, a common language or a, a shared uh, way of doing this, is this something that's being driven by a standards body? Is this being driven independently? Like, where, where is GNMI coming from? That's probably a good question for Roman. I actually don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, so... I think that Nick Nick pretty pretty much nailed it, the definition of the GNMI. And as far as the standardization comes, the same open config group actually yeah, makes it all uh, possible for GNMI. So they standardize GNMI as part of the GNMI specification. And the specification hosted on GitHub. So you can go there and read the specification for the GNMI protocol and see what's what, what it is composed uh, from, and uh, that's basically one of the biggest, I would say, differentiators from ITF-based standardization because there is still no RFC for GNMI, nor will it come, as far as I know. So we we spoke to OpenConfig uh, people, and they said, "Well, we have our specification hosted on GitHub. Why bother?" So that's our source source of truth, and it it is as good as it goes. So <laughs> that's I mean that, quite that, a nice difference. It's a, a whole conversation I'm sure we could have about the proper method, or I don't even know if there is a proper method for getting a standard out there. We all know the standards bodies can be a bit. Uh, what's a nice way to put it? They're just there's they're slow. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put intent behind that word, but it's slow to get to the point where a standard actually gets released. Um, I mean, what was it? IPv6 just hit full <laughs> full standardization. Like I don't know. It was like decades after people were actually using it so like it, it takes it takes time and there's there's good and bad reasons for that i don't want to get into a standards conversation oh, although yeah. we could do that on some other episode but it but it is the open the, the same group that's doing open config that is is kind of driving this this gnmi um effort correct correct okay, and, and i think that like the segue from the previous show on grpc what i would like to add here is that Consider you have your gRPC service, something bespoke that Cisco or Juniper or Nokia created for their operations. It's it's good for for a single customer for which you 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 use these gRPC proto files and your services, but it's not really gonna cut it when you go to to the operators. The operators they need to have a standard, even even GitHub hosted one, they still need to have a guarantee that the same protocol will work on vendor A, vendor B, vendor C, and they do not want to spread their operation operational efforts between different bespoke gRPC services. That is why making standard out of gRPC service, which is GNMI, is quite an important way or a step forward in making this more you know, ubiquitous and adopted between, between the vendors and the customers. No, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with that more. I think one of the challenges when we've seen with other, you know, programmatic interfaces, when we talk about REST APIs and other ways to deal with gear, is it's great that you have an API, but everyone's API seems to be completely bespoke, and so anytime that you're interacting with it, it's, it's learning from scratch. It, it, you know, it's not the programming language and not the way you deal with an API. That's consistent, but like what your actual capabilities are on that piece of gear. And so that's that's interesting that there's uh, an effort around standardization because you're right, from an operational perspective, there's going to be a big impact if we interact with gear the same way. 
um, then 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 it just comes down to the syntax, the specific commands um, that we're sending. Um, so so why don't we um, why don't we take through some of the fundamental concepts? So we, we again we've we've handled gRPC. What are what are some of the things that maybe we haven't discussed yet uh, around GNMI um, that make it interesting or unique? I think I think maybe we can talk through the the four different RPCs briefly. Sure. Um, so the first one is is very similar. You know, for for anyone that has familiarity with NetConf, uh, there's this concept of capabilities, and we exchange like what are the different things that I can do. Uh, so for example, uh, filtering in NetConf, you have subtree and XPath based. Well, subtree is required and XPath is optional. So how do you know if a device supports XPath filtering? It tells you in the capabilities. Um, candidate data store, things like things that may not be supported on every product and every implementation are communicated in the capabilities. And we have the same idea with GNMI. And the capabilities RPC is when the client says the server, tell me what you can support so I know what, you know, what specific feature sets are available, then we can get that information and then that will govern how the client interacts with the server. So that's a pretty basic one. Uh, get is the second RPC. And get is pretty straightforward. It, it's, it's the equivalent of a, of a NetConf you know, get RPC. Allows you to get configuration, allows you to get operational data, um, similar to an HTTP get. I think the word get is, is used quite a lot across multiple protocols because it's a pretty self-evident word. Um, so those two are pretty basic. I think what's particularly interesting about GNMI, especially compared directly to the Cisco IOS XR gRPC-specific uh, definition is that in XR, we have three different RPCs. We have merge config, update config, and delete config. And those are all pretty self-explanatory. But in GNMI, it's just set. That's it. There's a set RPC. And the way you determine whether you want to update, replace, or delete configuration is embedded in the message. So within the RPC, you would specify, here are the path elements I want it. Uh, up, update, so a replace operation, roughly equivalent to an HTTP put in most REST APIs. I can do an update, which is roughly equivalent to a merge operation, um, like a patch maybe in HTTP, or you can do a delete operation by specifying those path elements. So it's it set is very overloaded, and that one RPC does multiple different things. And correct me if I'm wrong, Roman, but I'm pretty sure that within a single set RPC, you can have a different collections. You could have a, a list of delete path elements and replace path elements, et cetera. So I, I think you can do things like that in gRPC. Yeah, exactly. You can pack multiple operations inside the same set request. And the reason being is we we know that GNMI has no concept of, of, a, uh, of a commit or of a transaction. So whatever you put in this set request, consider it to be a transaction. So you cannot have you know multiple sets and then say, okay, now I'm ready to commit. Whenever you send a set request, it's be, it, it, it will be committed by the device. So to make it more yeah, generic and complete, you can do delete, replace, uh, delete, update, and, um, and put it on in the same set request. And that would be your uh, commit operation or transaction. So you can do you can do multiple things in a in a single set, yeah. Okay. So um, so I, I'm just thinking through this. I'm thinking back to our gRPC show. One of the one of the unique um things about gRPC, right, was that there really wasn't a set data model or there wasn't a set structure to the way that things went. Like the 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 whoever programmed or, or or implemented the gRPC implementation could kind of set what they wanted to exchange data wise. It could be straight data, it could be plain text, it could be in some sort of structured data, it could be whatever you wanted it to be. Is that correct? I'm trying to make sure I'm getting this right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in, when the person who writes the protocol definition file determines what the contract is, like what right. you know when I when I send a set request, there's going to be a, a parameter called you know set request args or whatever it's called. You know, so yes, mm -hmm. the the developer will determine what what is transacted between the devices. So because of the fact that we're trying to set a standard here, I imagine that that freedom or that flexibility is going to have to be somewhat. Um, determined ahead of time, right? Like we're, we're going to have to set a data model. Is that correct? 
It's kind of like a data model, but kind of like with gRPC, um, gRPC is, I looked at it more of a, a transport technique because if you remember from the last show, when you did, you know, like an, an iOS XR replace config or get config, or even with gRPC, or sorry, even with GNMI, when you're doing gets and sets, one of the core inputs there is a string. And that string represents an X path towards a yang leaf or or a yang object of some kind so it's there's still a reliance on yang and the different data models within it but it, within grpc we're just trying to examine what is the transport like if i do a set request what information would need to be included okay well i have a collection of update x paths i have a collection of delete x paths i have a collection of replace x paths uh, and maybe there's a way to i know there's a way to include the data payload as well so a big giant JSON dictionary encoded as a string or whatever data structure is specified. So kind of like in the open config or IETF Yang models, there's a, a somebody defines what that structure is. And in this case, it was open config determining the GNMI protobuf file. And I, like Roman said, that, that file is available on GitHub. And I've, I can't believe I forgot it was open config because I've used it about six months ago. But uh, you can download that proto file, use your gRPC IO or or Proto-C or whatever your compiler is to get back the code language you want, uh, and then you interface with it according to that definition. So you're right that somebody needs to determine what the communication channel looks like, but it's still decoupled from Yang, just like in regular gRPC. So we're not modeling the data per se, but we are modeling what the inf how do we specify what the information is back and forth. Yeah, just to add, uh, to build on top of just Nick, Nick just said, GNMI is actually setting in stone the RPCs. Like, what can you do with the device? What can you get? Uh, what Not what can you get, what operations can you perform against the device? But the data that you can actually modify or retrieve is purely defined with Yang nowadays. Now, we also can mention that it's not strictly Yang as GNMI specification says. It can be any data modeling language, but nowadays it's always Yang, so there is no other data modeling schema that is used at, at least widely. So we can say safely that, yeah, your data model is still defining Yang, but your RPCs are defined within the GNMI Proto specification, and that's how you blend these two things together. You know what you can do with GNMI specification, and you know what you can modify or retrieve by reading your Yang models. And maybe I would also mentioned that there is a project that I did recently, which is called GNMI Map. It is basically a visualization of all the GNMI fields and messages in a single PDF. So you can look at it and see what are the, what are the, what is actually GNMI uh, service specification. I think for visuals like me, it's a great aid when you want to learn things and it is nicely, it has some back references to the specification and the code. So yeah, I can highly recommend anybody who, who is looking into the GNMI more deeply to look at this one. You can Google just GNMI-map and you will find it. All right. So we're not really, <laughs> we are, but we aren't defining a data model. So we we, we aren't really defined. So GNMI is no different than gRPC. You can use whatever data model you want. But right now, just because of the ubiquitousness of Yang, you can use Yang or you can use Yang is, is really what it comes down to. It's just what everyone's using because it's, 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 it's not necessarily a standard, but everyone just kind of settled on it. Is that correct? Yeah, there's there's no there, there's nothing in gRPC or GNMI that mandates the use of any of that. You know, I, right. I view it, it. This is it's a manner of communicating. Um, it's like it's like if we were all getting together to start our own society and we needed to invent a language. That's what we we would be inventing is the manner of speaking, but not necessarily the things that are said. So the that's content. kind of how I like to think yeah. about it. Absolutely, and and GNMI doesn't change that at all. What one of the one of the things that we we had talked a bit about the last time as well is is the nature around telemetry or sustained connections. So how does that play with GNMI? So I mean, we've talked about some of these different operations that you did or whatever. Like, is, is that still something that's there as a core component? Is there something that GNMI adds or re, or, or detracts from a telemetry style connection where we're we have that persistent? Uh, type connection. I'm just curious. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, the fourth, you know, we talked about capabilities, get and set so far. The fourth and final RPC defined in GNMI to date is called subscribe. And you can probably guess what that does. It allows you to subscribe to telemetry on a device. And, you know, we talked about last time about 
being able to establish the subscription and then have the device push information to the subscriber. So for example, uh, it could be a periodic subscription. It could be uh, an on-demand or on-change subscription. There's a typically a bunch of different options depending on what the different devices support. But we can stream that inside of GNMI and it works just like gRPC. It's just, you know, now that we have a standardized mechanism for identifying what the subscription is. And like Roman said earlier, there's no there's no requirement technically to use Yang, but you know, when we talk about model-driven telemetry, it's all Yang-based, and we specify the targets and the things we want to view as XPaths. So it kind of fit, it fits the whole conversation. And this is what I think is really cool about gRPC and GNMI in general, is that we no longer have different protocols for doing different things. So yes, you can technically do streaming telemetry with NetConf on some products. I've done it. It's a little bit weird, but it does work. But with GNMI and gRPC, I think it's a lot more natural because now we have a way to manage device configurations, to collect device configurations in operational state, and to subscribe to telemetry using Yang XPath specified as a string in some kind of RPC. And I feel like that unifies the network management landscape and the the fixed, you know, the, the combination of Yang model data combined with the fixed contracts and predefined services from gRPC-based techniques like GNMI and, and vendor-based gRPC, I think those powerfully combine to give us a, a different way of looking at network management. Now, you mentioned, you know, kind of a, a compare and contrast there. I feel like I feel like the entire industry is is <laughs> is looking for the perfect automation solution, right? Like I think that we we've gone down several different paths, whether it's uh, REST API, whether it's NetConf, whether it's obviously gRPC. Um, we've talked about some of gRPC's strengths. Um, so I guess uh, you know, like, is there any weaknesses? Is there anything in 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 GNMI or specifically gRPC where you say, ah, eh, it's not quite it's not quite the same as if you do it with net, uh, NetConf or if you do it with uh, REST. I mean, we, we talk about this in a positive light, not that I want to <laughs> uh, rain on our parade here, but I, f I feel it's worth asking the question, right? Are, are there any um, are there any challenges in gRPC that we don't see in other in other options? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll offer. A, how about I'll offer a, a kind of a non technical suggestion because I know Roman can probably talk more about the the guts of it. Um, okay. But I'll offer kind of a, a somewhat non technical thing is. Even if we forget GNMI for a second and we only think of NetConf and RESTConf, because this is a question a lot of people will think about is like, why do I need two? Well, NetConf has more capabilities. You've got candidate data stores, you have the option to do network-wide validation, you can uh, commit. You know, those are things that RESTConf doesn't really support. And, you know, GNMI and gRPC, um, depending on how the gRPC is implemented, but GNMI has some of those limitations as well. But I think broadly speaking, uh, what makes REST and RESTConf so popular is that the barriers for entry are generally a bit lower than something like NetConf. Because you can say HTTP post, here's the data. Uh, it's It feels like you're sending a command to a device, just like you would from a command line. And then you look at the device and it's there. Versus in NetConf, there's the establishment of a of a connect of a longer term connection, there's a capabilities exchange, there's an RPC, there's a validate, there's a commit, and all and there's multiple data stores. Uh, that can be a little bit harder to understand. And not to mention the encoding is forced to be XML. So I think when we look at it in that context, the barrier for entry for gRPC and GNMI can be a little bit higher. I think the the big moment for me was when I realized that all I needed to do was take the proto file and then compile it into a Python library. Once I understood that, it was easy to me. But just like everything in technology, there's always that point where when the light bulb goes off and it's not hard anymore, I think that it may take people some time to understand that, especially those with traditional network engineering backgrounds that may not, you know, that are just learning about Python for loops that aren't quite ready to you know, to do things like download the services file and interact with this thing using gRPC, uh, dealing with things like streaming telemetry and, you know, Grafana and Kibana and the Elk stack and all these other crazy things that people just don't know yet, of course. Uh, it's a little bit harder, I think, to get 
involved with it because it just seems hard and it seems out of reach. Um, those aren't really technical criticisms. Those are just what I think is natural for any new technology. And as we see GR GNMI grow in popularity and more people start to use it and see that it's easier to use and may actually reduce the amount of coding and suffering that comes with automating and managing networks, uh, I think some of those fears will get wiped away. Um, slowly, we've seen that for things like NetConf and Yang. And, you know, Juniper is a good example of a company that's been doing this for over a decade now pretty in a pretty big way. Um, and it's been a decade. And uh, I would say just do, for some of the real-life automation work that I do, it's still relatively limited. I'd say probably four out of five projects I do are CLI-based. Uh, and I realize that a lot of that is just due to the, the equipment that I work on. I know for other vendors, it's probably the opposite of that. But I think it's important just to acknowledge that these technologies will take time to catch on. And GNMI, you know, like Roman said earlier, you have to think about what is my entire atomic transaction? What are all the updates, replaces, and deletes I want to do? Because that's going, you know, that's all going to be committed and part of the configuration when I'm done. So I need to pre-think about all that stuff <laughs> before I go and make changes so I don't end up in some weird intermediate state. So it's just things to consider. Yeah, I can add on the technicality side. So I think GNMI is great, but it's not without its flaws. And um, I'm not GNMI fanboy, although I love the protocol. And I I do appreciate the effort Owen Config Group really puts, put, puts into it. But if we talk about GNMI and when we go to customers, to big service providers, they always have something to complain about it and just like to, to lay out a few concerns. So let's start with capabilities request as, as it comes first. So when you do capability request and you get a response back, there is one field inside this re response that says GNMI version. And usually it's like 0 0.4 or 0 0.7. But when you go to GitHub and you try to look what was 0 0.4, you cannot find it. There is no Git tag that points to a commit that says this is 0 0.4 version, nothing. So I think the pace that GNMI group adopts or takes, it's quite fast. So the standardization thing is kind of, you know, put aside. So folks who used to have ITF RFCs, which are precise, they have a lot of errata exists and they are like set in stone concrete. It's not like that with GNMI. It's more like fast moving DevOps-ish style thingy. And you might, think that it's not really mature if you look at it, but I guess it's, it's just a bit of a different paradigm. So you use GNMI in a way like you would use an open source project, like take it, take it or leave it basically. So it's not as standard as IETF standard. That's, that's my take, at least on it. So this versioning is kind of hurt because if you take IO6R and you do GNMI capability, you see 0 0.4. You would want to, to know what was in this 0 0.4 in contrast to 0 0.7, what has changed. You need to know that when you are in the operations. So this this thing is, is missing. Now, the other thing is actually with the path elements. So the path elements that GMI uses is, as, as Nick mentioned, is quite, um, well, not strange, but an unusual way of thinking about paths. And when operators think about paths, they want to have some flexibility. So for instance, you want to get your uh, interfaces and you want to, to create a filter, to filter something that you need to retrieve back. So you do not want to have all interfaces fitted back to you. You want to, to have some filter applied. And the paths are not really great with filtering. They have wildcards, which you can put into the keys of the elements, but that's pretty much it. You do not have XPath flexibility. You do not have subtree filtering like NetConf. And this also can be considered as a flaw because, yeah, if you come from the operation uh, field of uh, comp, yeah, from the operation side, you might want to have this flexibility. And it's just, you know, these two things that I mentioned, but there is much more that you would want to know before you dive into GNMI. So again, none, 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 none of it is on the surface. So you need to start working with GNMI to understand its peculiarities. Let's put it like that. 
the versioning thing seems like a big deal to me. Like uh, from from the operations side, only because of the fact that if you can't define what it is you're looking at, like that makes it really hard to to provide some consistency. Um, yep. So we've talked about you know vendor specific implementations of gRPC, and then obviously we have this standardization effort. How widely adopted are we talking about for GNMI? Is this are we still very early stages? Uh, do we see vendors adopting GNMI as 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 a way to interact? Like, so where, where do we? I mean, uh, Roman, we're talking to you, and 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 you you work for Nokia, so I imagine they're 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 doing something with this. What about the rest of the industry? How widely available is is GNMI? So when we when we were creating our GNMI client, we tested it against, or we wanted to test it against every every other vendor that's out there. So what we found out is that. It's not really quite popular or mature on all the platforms. So some platforms did a better job than the others, but most of the vendors at least have some. Yeah, they have something. It might not be the, yeah, you know, the pure and standard-based GNMI. They still might cook in some non-standard thingy inside of it. Yeah, you can use it already with with the recent versions of of network operating systems. If you look back to uh, iOS version, whatever, like three years ago, it won't be there. So you need to really look into the new versions of software because they they started to put in GNMI servers just recently. So it's not. But Yep. We're seeing it across most major vendors or at least exactly. doing some level of implementation today. So if yep. you wanted to get your hands dirty and start looking at this, maybe in a lab or something like that, chances are the gear you have today would support it so long as you're on a recent version offering. System. Yeah, absolutely. Arista, Juniper, Cisco, Nokia, some, some other vendors, they all have it. You just need to be aware that there might be some peculiarities with the implementation. So for instance, some vendors, they do not... Uh, Re, they do not have capabilities request embedded, so you cannot use it, or they have uh, some s strange things with paths when you do get requests. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> nice. So I always feel a little strange in shows like this where I enter in as a complete noob. I know nothing about it. I'm I'm just green as can be when it comes to a technology. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ask a very open ended question. What haven't we talked about that's important? It's possible that there's nothing yet, but if there's if there's stuff on the list that we haven't asked, let's talk about it because I don't even know if I know the right questions to ask. <laughs> I think I think we can talk maybe about telemetry for a little while. Um, okay. I don't know that there's a whole lot new from the gRPC conversation. Of course, you know gRPC supports streaming just in general um, as a function of you know HTTP version two, which all gRPC based communications are based on, which of course extends to GNMI. And the subscription of telemetry works pretty pretty similarly across most vendors. Um, I can say pretty with confidence that Cisco's iOS XE and XR and Nexus platforms all let you specify, you know, path-based. Uh, here are the, here's the Yang data I want. I want it at this period. You know, we could do dial-in or dial-out type telemetry. Uh, GNMI supports all those same uh, paradigms, so there's not any limitation there. I've done a little bit with GNMI telemetry, uh, arguably a lot less than most people. Um, most of the telemetry work I've done has been with uh, just regular gRPC, you know, TCP-based dial-out and collecting information into Grafana through Influx and Telegraph and that kind of stuff that's been done several times in multiple demos. That's been kind of the extent of my work and for a few work projects, I've used it as well. But I admit I haven't done any real production work with GNMI telemetry, even though I've set it up and Roman was kind enough to help me in, in editing uh, a chapter in one of my free books about it. So thank you, Roman, for that. Uh, I talked about it briefly, but I don't have a lot of expertise there. So maybe, Roman, you can talk some more about telemetry for us. Well, actually, I think the telemetry angle on, on the GNMI side is the crown jewel of the protocol. Because when you consider the operational stuff like getting configuration back with a single GET request or setting it with set request, I would argue that I'm not a big fan of GNMI on, on that particular side. I would still think that NetConf offers you more. And of course, it it might be that the scale that you deal with with NetConf might hit you, and then you would look at, at GNMI for massive sets of configurations. But telemetry, that's where GNMI shines. And I think 
here, when you when you look at why chains and why is it important, is first that it is a standard, so you can go and implement your telemetry stacks across multiple vendors, even now, right? Day day one, and uh, as as I, as I mentioned before, not every vendor has a very clear GNMI implementation, but when it comes to the telemetry, everybody wants to make it at least you know workable and and ready to be used so whenever you go and check on the recent version of any network operating system telemetry or uh, uh, subscribe request will work some other things might not work because they are not so critical uh, as far as gmi concerned but telemetry they, this thing will work and uh, when we go to and talk to the customers why they want to move to gmi uh, from Bespoke gRPC services is, of course, as yeah, as we as we concluded, is the standardization. So they usually have two or three more vendors in their network, so they cannot really spend their effort maintaining these custom-made solutions. So for them, using one single protocol as GNMI is quite a buy-in to start implementing telemetry. And the nice thing about GNMI here is that if you look at the IETF side. There's nothing really ready yet to be used on multiple vendors. So there is a so-called ITF Yang push, which is now have a lengthy name of subscriptions to Yang data stores, something like that. So it's not really implemented on any vendors except for iOS XE, if I'm not mistaken. So you can see how this really prevents vendors to start opting into that. That is why I think GNMI made a great timing exercise here by making something that works, works good, scales well, and is available on major platforms already. So whenever you see a telemetry stack in production, it is pretty much all the time uh, streaming telemetry based with GNMI. So that's what we see with with the major customers uh, which we work with. So yeah. Uh, Nick, uh, this is uh, uh, Tony. I wanted to jump in. You've already mentioned um, sort of a, a little bit of a higher barrier to entry than than maybe NetConf or, or or REST calls. So I just kind of wanted to know: is there is if someone wants to learn more about gRPC or GNMI other than listening to the two awesome Network Collective podcasts? Uh, what what resources? What are the must reads? So, what what great resources would you recommend? Is there specific training available? Are there must reads um, other than the uh, the standards GitHub that Roman already mentioned? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, so I'll start off with a few things that you can kind of passively read and look at to learn about, and then I think it would be useful for Roman to talk about one of his major projects that can help people get started from a, a command line interface that I thought was really cool. So. One thing that I found useful is written by my colleague at Cisco. His name is Bruno. And he wrote an article, uh, I can send it to you guys, and maybe we can link it in the show, um, about GNMI on iOS XR. And again, because GNMI is standards-based, it's not, you know, there are a few XR quirks in the conversation, but that's not really the point of why he wrote the post. He talks about the different RPCs, how it works, uh, some of the configuration on iOS XR just to make it happen as an example. And then he goes through... Uh, some Python code, I believe, to explain how it works. So that was a good, that was one of the first things I read sometime last year. I don't remember when, but that helped me get a general idea of how it worked. Another thing to do, and we talked about this in the gRPC show, is that the services proto files are actually really easy to read. Now, you don't have to know every bit of syntax, but even if you skim them at a high level, they tend to be pretty well commented and it details what the basic RPCs are. And I don't know that I would recommend reading it just casually, but if you go and you grab that file and any other extension files that are part of it, you can download those and try to just write your own code to get started. Of course, I always recommend that. Um, that may not be suitable for all people, especially the people who want to read a little bit more. Um, I wrote about it in my free Evolving Technologies book. Again, Roman was happy or uh, was gracious enough to help review that for me about four months ago. Uh, that's free on my website. Um, I talk about uh, a few different ways of doing uh, bespoke gRPC as well as GNMI in there using a tool that uh, Roman has developed. Those are a few resources you can use to get started to learn more about the protocol. And then for the network people who are really interested in the low-level details on how gRPC and GNMI look over the wire, uh, some of you know that I maintain a, a packet capture library on my website for free, and I have GNMI and gRPC packet captures there 
along with the protobuf files. And it's really cool for the network people out there. You can feed in those proto files to Wireshark, which will tell Wireshark how to decode the packets. So what, rather than just seeing a bunch of binary data, Wireshark can say, okay, this was a, a GNMI get request based on the proto file you gave me. And here's what all the data looks like. So for people who want to see what it looks like on the wire, there's a way to do that. And I've made those accessible just for reference if people are interested. So those are a few of the, the passive kind of things you can look at and read if you want to get a general idea. And Roman, do you want to talk about GNMIC a little bit? Yeah, thank you. So yeah, we, we have developed a GNMIC client, which you can find at gnmic.kmrd.dev. And uh, I'm not one of the developers, I just contributed a bit. So it's uh, my, my colleague, Karim Erdwani, who, who made it one of the best CLI clients I've ever played with. And the, the whole purpose of this client was to create a tool that would be easy to use with, with, this, with something new like GNMI. So when we started to dive into GNMI, and it was like a year ago, we realized that there is no nice CLI client that can help you interact with the device. All the open source clients that were before GNMIC, they offered you some quite a weird way of interacting with the device. You needed to know how to construct the payload of your request in prototext format, and it was not easy. So GNMIC, uh, sorry, GNMI is not easy per se, but making tools that are hard to, to use is even, it doesn't make it easy, right? So we wanted to create something that would allow a regular network engineer, engineer to interact with GNMI target without yeah, breaking a sweat. So that's how GNMIC was born. It was primarily CLI client for GNMI. And now we extended it or Kareem extended it to be a collector, like a competitor to Telegraph. So if you take GNMIC, you can interrogate your GNMI target, be it Cisco, Nokia, or Arista device, doesn't matter, with a clear commands like GNMIC get, GNMIC capabilities, GNMIC subscribe, etc. So that's a very nice and easy way to start with GNMIC uh, in, a, in a sort of a hands-on experience. So yeah, go check it out. It's free open source, written in Go, so you can upskill in Go as well. Awesome. Thank, thank you guys for, for the, the recommendations of, of material to go check out. Um, I, I just want to uh, underline the note about Nick's PCAPs. Actually, before the, we started recording this episode, I pulled up on my other monitor here, the GRPC and the GNMI PCAPs, just so I could look through them and poke around as, as we're doing this recording. And, um, and I noticed that they're HTTP2, but I also noticed that they're clear text. You know, typically when you see HTTP2, um, it's tightly integrated with TLS. That, that kind of becomes, a, I think, an assumption for nowadays. So uh, is there a TLS or an encryption layer um, that's, that, Nick, you removed from this? Or is that something that's not by standard? No, it, it's absolutely available. And most, um, I, I wouldn't say most, I'd imagine that there are at least many implementations that would use it in... You know, and, and maybe Roman can talk to the performance impacts of it because I, I frankly don't know what they are. But I imagine that there could be some performance impacts if there's a, a very high scale thing going on. You know, if you're internal to a company and you're not transiting the internet, maybe you want to trade off having that encrypted for the interest of scale. So we can do that. Um, I took those captures probably from either ISX, iOS XE or XR. Uh, both of those devices support non-TLS-based gRPC and GNMI if you want to use it. Um, of course, we know that RESTConf is required to use TLS in the RFC, and NetConf is based on SSH, so those are kind of harder to look at. Um, I did find one product that will let you do RESTConf with HTTP, so I, I was able to get some RESTConf captures from my library just on that one product, which is kind of funny. But in general, gRPC, uh, there's, there's nothing inherent about HTTP2 that requires TLS, uh, Roman, I don't know if you have some some operational experience you can share about how often large operators use it, but in my small scale testing, I tend to leave it off just for simplicity. Yeah, great question, Eagle Eye, Cherry, Tony. So I think the yeah. <laughs> the nice the nice part about GNMI is that it really demands you to use TLS. You cannot use it without it, and the reason that you have uh, captures without it is that vendors said, you know. One of the biggest problems with, with networking is certificate management. 
So we we understand that if you will try to impose certificate management to every lab, it would be yeah, it would be unbearable. So vendors created TLS, uh, sorry, GNMI service without TLS. Uh, mandatory thing. But if, if you read the GNMI specification, it clearly says GNMI must be used with TLS. So whenever you go to a big operator and you want to say, yeah, just use GNMI without TLS, they would say, no, no, no. First, GNMI specification mandates that it needs to be used. And second, there are regulations that need that, yeah, that basically says everybody, every everything needs to be encrypted. So you can use GNMI without TLS, and most vendors support uh, unencrypted GNMI. So that's how you can look inside the HTTP2 payloads. But whenever you go to production, you cannot use it without it. So that is another major problem on how, how you can create, uh, sign, and transfer certificates for GNMI. So that makes it even more complex when you go to real deal. No, that that's awesome, guys. Uh, thank you for that. And and Roman, that's an awesome inclusion that um, I hadn't read the specification, so I didn't see that there was a must requirement for that. It was just something that I notionally saw from the PCAP that that was missing was some sort of encryption layer. Um, that's great. Yeah, and I imagine that being able to use GNMI without encryption allows exactly this. It allows us to see what's going on for purposes of perhaps debugging. Um, uh, the the performance. Uh, uh, question I have for that is when we're talking about subscription or receiving telemetry, especially through high throughput devices, um, encrypting all that data um, takes a, a large amount of processing power, both to encrypt it and then to decrypt it on the receiver. So, um, you know, is there is, is there a big impact? I mean, you guys have have used this, Nick, you said you've used it a little bit in production. And, and Roman, you said you got you've leveraged this at Nokia. So that's a much larger um, uh, company in production. So, you know, at scale, you know, does that add a performance hit to the devices that are streaming telemetry over an encrypted channel? So when we created GNMI benchmarking tests with TLS and without it, what we realized is that actually in Go client, TLS encryption doesn't add much. So you do not see a lot of performance drop when you uh, when you set TLS to be enforced. And that was one of the biggest revelations, at least for me, I'm not a software developer. So I was, as you, I was quite impressed. I thought it would be a major performance implication when you have TLS embedded you know, or uh, on by default. But yeah, the the data showed us that it's not really that yeah, that important, at least with the Go client that we used. So maybe it's not a big of a deal. And especially when TLS is really needed to be used by the specification, you cannot go around it saying, yeah, I, I need to squeeze more 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 bytes on my on my network connection and I will suffer the encryption. Yeah, no one will go for it. Well guys, this is uh this is all very, very interesting. Um <laughs> it makes me want to get in the lab and start using it. It's uh it's one of those things that like I feel like uh, I still feel like we're we're probably very much on the early edge, right? Like we're as we're talking about this, we're on the on the early edge, and there's options. But I definitely see why there's interest in gRPC and 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 GNMI. It's um, there, maybe, there's value there. Yep. Yeah, maybe just one of the one of the closing thoughts that I have. Why why I think GNMI is quite of quite kind of important is that as a protocol itself, it's a nice thing, right? It allows you to ingest a lot of data really performant protocol, proto-based, et cetera, et cetera. But just getting the data in is is one thing. What you really need when you go to, to a, a closed loop automation or a complete use case, you need a set of tools that can act on the data, that can uh, make your loop closed. And I think what OpenConfig team does really good here is that they maintain or support and uh, enhance a set of tools that really help you work with the GNMI and uh, Go-based tools. For instance, the YGOT project that helps you to uh, understand the end data from the device, read the telemetry data, create GNMI notifications, really help you close this automation loop. And I think that is quite important because just getting data in is a single tiny 
piece of of the puzzle that you need to to complete when you when you talk about closed loop automations so the tooling ecosystem is really important and seeing that quite a lot of folks working on it is really inspiring because otherwise you would you would end up with tools which no one either use or no one either maintain and that doesn't help community at all that's a good call out for sure um so I think it's about time to wrap it up. Um, why don't we Why don't we do this, uh, Nick? You have a ton of things out there on the internet. Things that you are you're always working and contributing content, um, and high quality stuff. So where can people find the stuff that you're putting out? In fact, this month some of it's free, right? Like, yeah, the uh, yeah, Pluralsight's free for all of April of 2021, just like it was last year, which is cool. And I have a bunch right. of courses there. But anyway, the, the centralized place where you can find pretty much everything I've ever done is at my personal website, njrusmc.net. Uh, it looks like it's from 1994. It's a really simple website. Hopefully, you it enjoy does. it. It's uh, it's it's based <laughs> on it, it's made to it's made it's made with you in mind. Go find what you need and close the browser. And go away. That's that's what I want. Take take what you want. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, so enjoy yourself. There's a lot of free stuff there, and a, a good deal of it. Well, I wouldn't say a good deal, but at least some of it is related to gRPC and GNMI. So yep. you can enjoy yourselves there. Yep, that's a great great spot. Uh, you you do have some social media presence, right? You're on Twitter. Yes, sir. Uh, Nick Russo four two five one eight is my Twitter handle. That's a good place to reach me with any questions or comments. All right, Roman. How about yourself? Where can people find you or any of the work that you're doing? Yeah, I also am a Twitter user, so you can find me at NTDVPS, which is NetDevOps without vowels. And uh, I also do some blogging at, at netdevops.me, but uh, Twitter is the best place to reach to reach me <laughs> with comments. That was NetDevOps, but no vowels. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's memorable. <laughs> very, very nice. <laughs> uh, Tony, man, uh, you've managed to successfully dodge all of the chainsaws. So congratulations! You have a uh, you have a neighbor there that uh, decided to cut down trees during this recording. So uh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so they, it, you managed that, you managed it that well. A, it made for a very nervous start to the podcast. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get a word in, but um, <laughs> also my house cleaners are in on the other side of that wall, running vacuums and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I'm uh, at Show IP Interface Brief on Twitter. Um, thank you both for for coming on here and, and sharing your knowledge on GNMI and uh, allowing us to participate a little bit. And uh, you can always find me at, uh, at NetworkCollective.com and on the Network Collective Slack. Right, NetworkCollective.com. Everything Network Collective is there. You can go find our, our past episodes. We've been doing some, having some fun with some live streams on YouTube. So you can find some of that there as well. Um, we're on social media at Net Collective PC on Twitter, Network Collective Podcast on on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Uh, come and chat with us. We'd love to 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 see what you're up to, and also uh, we'd love to hear your ideas for for content for for what you'd like to hear from us. Um, I think that's it. We'll leave it at that. So uh, so thanks again, uh, Roman and Nick. This was a a great uh, episode on some emerging technology. I think that a lot of people are interested in. We really do appreciate you bringing your expertise to the show. And for everyone who is uh, listening, thanks for uh, thanks for being a listener, and we will uh, see you all next time.